Well, if you live or work in Gaston County, it's an issue that you're probably intimately familiar with, traffic. Today on Savvy Citizen, we're talking with Randy Gates and Adam Archwall about the Catawba Crossings Feasibility Study and what that's going to mean for the future of commuting in Gaston County. We're going to be taking a look at the study that's going on right now and how you as a citizen can get involved. So I'm here today on Savvy Citizen. I'm talking with Adam Archwell and Randy Gates. Adam is a senior environmental planner with Gannett Fleming. He is the uh, project manager, uh, the consultant project manager, excuse me, um, for the uh, Catawba Crossings Feasibility Study. And also joining us today is Randy Gates. She's the principal transportation planner for the, oh boy, help me out here, Randy, <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland, okay. Gaston, and Lincoln County. Did I get that in the right order? Yep. Gaston, Cleveland, Lincoln. There you go. Gaston, Cleveland, Lincoln, Metropolitan Planning Organization, and you're the local project manager for this feasibility study, correct? Correct. All righty. So now that we've got the the titles out of the way, can I'll ask you both kind of the, the initial question here of what is Catawba Crossings and, and why should folks in Gaston County care about it? Yeah, so um, I'll take the, the lead on that. So the Catawba Crossings project is a proposed new alignment roadway starting at NC 279 or South New Hope Road in Gaston County over to NC 160 or Still Creek Road in Western Mecklenburg County. So we are proposing this as a four lane divided boulevard facility. Um, would most likely have bike head accommodations. You know, again, a, a divided facility, median, uh, planted median, most likely is the vision for this project. And why it is needed, you know, the, the Catawba River really creates a barrier between uh, Gaston County and Mecklenburg County. And, you know, there's only very few existing transportation crossing, crossings of the river. Um, and you see daily how congested those those routes get, whether it's I-85, um, US-74, really the two, two main arteries in and out of, of Mecklenburg County for us in Gaston. But we also have, you know, NC-27, which is in the Mount Holly area. And then, you know, another crossing isn't until you get down into South Carolina with Highway 49. So right. with the continued growth, in Gaston County, um, you know, especially in southeastern Gaston County, we just have to be looking at ways to get people, you know, to and from Mecklenburg County, whether it's, you know, residents that are in Gaston that are trying to get to Mecklenburg County for work or, you know, those in, in Mecklenburg County that are coming over to Gaston County for work. Um, so it's really important that we, you know, take a look at our existing facilities, the deficiencies there. And what can we do for the future? I had heard some talk that this has been a project that's been, in some form or fashion, under consideration for quite some time. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, you know, there's there's always been a, a need for an additional crossing. That's been an identified need through, you know, different planning uh, processes throughout the last few decades, um, honestly. So, you know, what was once proposed as a toll facility um, to connect all of Southern Gaston County you know, from 321, really, north of Dallas, uh, all the way, you know, south of Gastonia and then connecting with uh, I-485. 
And so that, that was once a funded project. Again, it was a tolled freeway facility um, <laughs> that is you know, no longer a funded project. And so what we're really trying to do with this is re-envision the corridor and what it could look like as a boulevard facility, um, you know, something with regional benefits, uh, but also, you know, more fits into the, the context of, of the environment uh, along the southern end of the Belmont Peninsula and then over uh, to Mecklenburg County with what will be developed as the River District. Okay. Um, and that's why we've, you know, reimagined this as a, as a boulevard, a lower speed boulevard facility instead of a, um, you know, a high speed controlled access freeway. You talked a little bit, and uh, I'm sure maybe Adam can speak to this as well. I mean, when you're talking about kind of capacity and when you've got 85 and 74, um, obviously whenever you see uh, any sort of a, a accident on those roads, especially around rush hour, I mean, the <laughs> what happens to traffic in Gaston County is pretty jarring. I mean, it's it pretty well grinds to a halt. Uh, how, how would you see a project like this kind of helping to alleviate some of that? Sure. Um, so I can kind of take a stab at this and Adam, please feel free to, <laughs> to sure. jump in. Um, you know, so we've, we've done traffic forecasting. We've done a lot of traffic analysis on, you know, what the traffic would be with, you know, a no build scenario. What if this project is not funded and it doesn't happen? And then also, you know, with a design year out into the future, what would be that build scenario? And so we have worked closely with NCDOT, uh, with the MPO, both my MPO on the Gaston County side and Mecklenburg County, um, as well as the multiple municipalities to kind of think through what that traffic forecast would be. And I mean, just to kind of point out, uh, I think just highlights of that is with this project, we're really looking at a 20% daily volume reduction on Frank or Wilkinson Boulevard, US 74, as it crosses the river. That's pretty substantial. Um, Adam, you may have the exact numbers, but, you know, 20% reduction is, is a big deal. Probably a 10% reduction on, on uh, South Carolina Highway 49. Um, a smaller reduction on I-85, just that this is a different facility, you know, sure. as uh, interstate versus a, a boulevard. Um, and then there's going to be some volume reduction, um, five to 10,000 vehicles per day, most likely. Uh, reduction of vehicles traveling through Belmont, the downtown, and, and the commercial areas. So, and that's one big benefit of this project to, to help ease congestion on, you know, what we're seeing with the existing facilities. Adam, do you have anything to add? Yeah, that, that really touches on kind of the improvements we saw um, when, when running traffic analyses for, for this, uh, this kind of broader transportation network We're, we are trying to look at the Catawba crossings as a piece of a of, of the you know the broader transportation network here when we look at the when we looked at the 2045 that's the, the future year our, our modeled year out there in the future um, the only thing I would add is in the no build scenario in 2045 these these parallel east-west uh, routes were showing it at or near capacity uh, without the Catawba crossings, which is not necessarily surprising, but um, it does point to the 
to the it points back to the need for that alternate you know crossing of of the river here is that without without the Catawba crossings without that alternate route um, the existing network and the future transportation network so including the I-85 widening project that is uh, in the works including improvements to um, Wilkinson Boulevard um, these these transportation projects that are currently programmed um, in the area to improve congestion. By 2045, the, the analysis conducted for this, this project um, shows that the, those facilities are still going to be under stress, and there, there is the need for some additional relief mm. uh, when it comes to a, an alternative uh, route. My uh, co-host Janet has joined me, and she's actually a Belmont resident. So I know, um, Randy, you were talking a little bit about um, just how some of this would maybe relieve some of the congestion um, that you're seeing in downtown Belmont now um, if this project were to get built. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe some of the, the benefits to that? Sure. You know, we when we were looking at traffic counts um, currently, you know, we we kind of kicked off this project right before uh, COVID-19, right before the, the pandemic started in, in March of 2020. And so what we really had to make sure that we were looking at was pre-pandemic um, average daily traffic counts, mm. you know, because with people working from home, we wanted to make sure that we had, you know, accurate data. So luckily we, we were able to get all of that in before, before the pandemic, but with those numbers, what we're seeing is there are a lot of people that are actually coming up, you know, from Clover, York, South Carolina, Lake Wiley area. The the 49 Buster Boyd Bridge sees about 35,000, uh, sorry, 35,000 vehicles per day. I believe that. I used to live in Clover. I live in Belmont now, but I used to live in Clover. And, and Lord, if you caught that at the wrong time around Buster Boyd Bridge. Ooh. You weren't going anywhere. Yeah, so we're seeing, you know, a lot of people from that area are coming up through Belmont. I mean, they're going way out of their way yep. mm-hmm. to come north mm-hmm. to cross over the river and then, you know, go back south because of the congestion there. So, you know, a lot of Belmont residents are saying, wait a minute, why are all these South Carolina plates coming through, you know, downtown Belmont? And Belmont has its own, you know, congestion Mm-hmm. Anyway, with yeah. just local traffic, trying to get to the schools, trying to get to the new middle school, the high school that's right there. So, you know, we've... Plus the new Chick-fil-A over there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> that thing gets a lot of traffic. We had to make sure we were, you know, thinking through is is how can we make things better for, you know, Belmont, downtown area. And, you know, this crossing being, you know, at the southern end of the peninsula will really take a lot of that, I mean it's really out of state traffic <laughs> that's yeah. coming up through the Belmont area to get over to Mecklenburg County on, you know, in peak times, we're obviously mainly seeing that in AM and peak M, uh, PM peak times. Will it go through the McLean area or will it avoid kind of the, that part of Belmont? Yeah. So the route that we have identified um, through this study and, and really is taking what had been identified through the, you know, previous studies when it, you know, when the Garden Parkway was a funded project and all the environmental work that went through that, um, you know, we kind of re-looked at that and, and it's still the the best alignment option is is through that area. So this would actually be north 
of the McLean okay. um, neighborhood. And it's actually, it's, it's, it's north of NC-273, or I guess that's um, Lower Armstrong mm-hmm. that's there. Um, so this would be, this would be further north. Okay. What do you see as, and, and maybe this isn't quite your lane, but I mean, it's obviously part of the, the overall look at a project like this. What do you see as kind of the economic benefits to, to Gaston and Mecklenburg counties by adding another connection between these two counties and in really high growth areas for, for both counties? Yeah, so I mean, in order for an area to, to really see development, you have to have the access. Um, and a lot of times, I know if you, you know, if you talk to Donnie Hicks or, or anyone over with uh, Economic Development Commission and, you know, Gastonia has Economic Development Department as well. Sure. You know, one, one of the main things that, you know, they are asked when they're going after, you know, a new, a new um, whether it's a business or uh, industrial, you know, company is what is the access? What is the access to the airport? That's a big one. Oh yeah. Um, and so by you know by adding this additional crossing of of the Catawba, we're going to have better connectivity from you know southeastern Gaston County, Gaston County in general, um, over to the airport. And I mean, let's look at it even further west. All the the developable area in southern Gaston County, and then over in Cleveland County. If we're able to provide a more direct access to the airport, you know, that, that is um, greatly benefiting economic development and the, the potential there. To add to that, the, um, by introducing this improved access, you have opportunities to, to, to diversify the land use um, in Southeast Gastonia County, making it more attractive for, for business development, um, retail, offices and, and bring some of those jobs you know, closer uh, to the residents on the side of the river, kind of at a, a maybe a macro scale. Yeah, and then also at, a, at maybe more of a personal scale. And one of the, the greatest benefits that's been identified through the traffic analysis is um, travel time savings. Mm. Um, and, and essentially that boils down is this route will give individuals um quicker access to um, across the river and to job opportunities, um, to healthcare facilities, to um, educational opportunities, to uh, recreational uh, facilities and, and what have you. By, by reducing the, the travel time, that's a, in the a.m. and the p.m. peak hours and the rush hour, by reducing your commutes, um, there are economic benefits um, to that. Uh, the less time you're spending in your vehicle, um, the better. Yeah. Um, does it open up a, a new uh, economic possibilities for you? Um, are you willing to to drive to a uh, a job that you wanted now that you can get there in 20 minutes, whereas before it took an hour? Sure. Yeah, I've never so. really thought about how um, reduced travel time can really improve quality of life for people, but but I can see that, and that's actually um, you know an indicator for some things we do with like bonds at the county and whatnot is looking at commute time for the average commute time for your um, residents, you know, and that's that weighs in on the quality of life for your residents. So yeah, I could see it having a very positive impact on that. And one of the things that we looked at just to add to that when we were doing, you know, all the, the traffic analysis when we were 
you know, really thinking through what that travel time savings could be. Cause that, you know, that's a big part of, of the scoring um, for when we submit projects like this to NCDOT um, and around the prioritization is, you know, what is that travel time savings? And, you know, we've, we've looked at it, you know, if someone coming from, um, you know, South New Hope Road, really almost at the South Carolina state line. And if they were to travel, either if they went, you know, up New Hope to um, Armstrong Ford, or if they went lower Armstrong to get up to say the interchange with um, 74 and 485 in the AM peak hours, I mean, that, that's a pretty substantial time savings. Um, You're looking at, you know, 12 and a half minutes, maybe in the morning. Um, If you were even trying to get down south, you know, travel I-485 south of of the airport, we're looking at, you know, a 23-minute of of savings, of travel time. Wow. Then in the the peak, you know, the peak PM, uh, PM peak hour is about the same. So, I think that's giving you a lot of time back in your day. Yeah, Adam, we're going to have to. So, Adam, our goal with this podcast was to make it the length of a commute. Yep. So we're gonna have to cut our our podcast episodes down to twelve minutes. Right, right. You're you're making us be more brief with our podcast. <laughs> we, we hope. Yes. <laughs> let's let's get some funding for this project and make it happen. <laughs> so, so Randy, kind of talk us through a little bit about what are the steps involved here? Kind of where are you guys at now, and what would be next steps? Because I know you guys have a, a public meeting coming up here right around the corner. Yeah. So you know we're we're conducting this feasibility study, which is you know, it, it's preliminary. It's very early on in kind of the, the life cycle of getting a project in a plan um, and then actually funded, constructed, and open to traffic. So, you know, we're really early on with this feasibility study, but we are, you know, getting ready to kick off the second round of public involvement. Um, we've, we're uh, currently holding a 30-day public comment period. We have our public meeting that's scheduled for Wednesday, February 2nd. We will, you know, get all of the feedback that we can from the public. We will finalize this feasibility study, um, you know, probably this summer. We're looking at doing presentations to the local governments who have helped fund this study, uh, probably in the July, August timeframe. And then we will be looking at uh, funding options. And so, you know, one thing that that's always there that we have our eye on and uh, we have the ability to submit projects to NCDOT. Um, We do prioritization about every two years that we can submit new projects for funding. Um, We're looking at that process maybe in 2023. There's been some delays here recently with that that the current prioritization process. So I think that's probably going to push the next prioritization process out a little bit. But you know, in the meantime, we're also going to be looking at with the new federal infrastructure bill. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's new pots of money that's coming out of that. Oh, yeah. Will this project fit nicely into one of those new funding uh, mechanisms with, you know, different grant opportunities from uh, USDOT that we could be looking at there? So, you know, we're, we're going to be we're going to be doing a, a deep dive into these different funding opportunities. Again, just, we know this is a priority for Gaston County. Um, it's very important for Mecklenburg County as well. So we're going to be trying every way possible to find funding. And when is your public comment 
session coming up and where? What are the details on that? Yeah, so, um, you know, with the 30-day public comment period, we know with with the current pandemic, a lot of things are just going more virtual. So right. we've got a, a really great virtual platform to get public uh, feedback. So that can be, you can find that off of the Catawba Crossings website, which is catawbacrossings.com. So that is open until February 13th, but we are having an in-person public meeting Wednesday, February 2nd. That's going to be drop-in between 4.30 and 7.30 p.m. We're going to have that at the uh, Gaston College Kimbrell campus in the auditorium. So definitely, you know, space to spread out. Um, and that is, um, you know, at, at the river on Wilkinson Boulevard, um, right before you cross into Mecklenburg County. So easy access for folks from both Gaston County and Mecklenburg County to come out and, and join us. So again, that's a drop in on Wednesday, February 2nd from 430 to 730. Cool. Do you get a lot of public comment on these types of projects? So we did, we, um, Adam, you might have the numbers uh directly in in front of you but we had a fantastic turnout oh good um you know of public comment during the first round now everything was virtual we did not have an in-person public comment uh meeting uh that's when you know this all (laughs) the pandemic first started no one was having public meetings so we did have that completely online but um adam do you have those numbers i'm flipping through yeah locate that yeah so like randy was saying we held our first public input opportunity um in january of 2021 so it's been about a year and as a result of that we um all virtual hosted through the project website at catavacrossings.com we saw about 5700 first-time visitors to the project website during the 30-day comment period um we used a, um, a survey, an online survey tool to, to collect feedback. Um, we, we received nearly 1,200 online survey responses. Wow. And then, and then in, individuals were also given the opportunity to, uh, more of an open format, provide written comments, and we received over 500 written comments. Wow, that's a good bit more than the public comments we get on the budget book or the yeah. budget. Honestly. <laughs> 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 I mean, and there's, it's more public comment that than we've ever received on any of our, you know, long range plans that we work on. So we were we were really satisfied with the the number of participants in that first round, especially given that we were in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so we were we were really impressed by those numbers, and we're hoping to see you know see, see similar numbers this round. Is that something, I know that we've seen that here with with certain projects that maybe one of the lessons from COVID has been that some of these virtual meetings can actually be beneficial going forward because it seems like in in some formats, they've actually gotten the public more engaged than maybe in-person meetings would have otherwise. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right with that. we, we have seen more uh, more participation in some of our other things than we had before. Um, you know, but also at the same time, that, that's why we were kind of thinking through this round. What could we do that's, that's hybrid? So if someone doesn't want to give feedback sitting at their computer, you know, we want to be accessible for someone to come to a public meeting and speak to the project team one-on-one if they have questions. So um, you know, hopefully with the, the trend and the, the cases 
you know, going down slightly right now, I think we'll, we'll be all right um, when we have this on, on the second. But, you know, providing both opportunities, we've, we still have that pretty robust virtual um, public meeting experience for, for those that want to do that. But then we'll also be out, you know, at, at the college um, to, to have folks give us that input that way as well. Are you able to say what are some of the more common questions that you're getting for this project so far? Um, why is this not built already? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, I can imagine that. Um, you know, it's, we're getting a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of support for this project. Um, so, the, you know, the main questions, I mean, all joking aside, we, we do get a lot of questions of why, why is this still in the, the early planning phase? Sure. Um, we get a lot of questions of, um, you know, what kind of bike pet facilities is this going to include? What is that going to look like? Is there going to be connections to greenways or the Carolina thread trail? Um, so we actually had a, a call earlier today with the folks from Catawba Lands Conservancy and Carolina thread trail kind of talking through opportunities there. And, hmm. um, you know, so we, we get a lot of those questions, um, you know, Adam, what are some other kind of, of the, the comments we've we've seen or questions? Yeah. That well, Adam, while you're while you're thinking about that, Randy, when you said biped, yeah. you're talking about bicycling and pedestrian, right? That's right. So okay. yeah, we you know we were thinking through the opportunities. What is you know what is an on street bike facility? What would what would that look like where the the bikes are on you know on the road with the vehicles and then it's you know, maybe it's just a five-foot sidewalk for the pedestrians, or, you know, maybe we look at a multi-use path that would be, you know, separated from from the the highway. Yeah, you know, that um, like that area, like, just driving from, driving in that area, living in Clover and and commuting back and forth, it is heavy on cyclers and whatnot. So, yeah, I could see that being a huge um, topic of conversation. Yes. Yeah. That was yeah. a lot of the, the comments and questions we were, we were getting. Um, you know, what are these bridges going to look like? <laughs> what's uh-huh, the, sure. what is the crossing over the Catawba going to look like? And, you know, we don't have all of that figured out with, with this, you know, high level planning. You know, the feasibility study is really to show, is this a feasible project? Yeah. You know, is it a feasible project for this as a, you know, a four lane divided boulevard facility? Do we need to be looking at something with a wider cross section in areas? And so, you know, one of the things that we are proposing is a you know a six a six lane cross section for the bridge you know that would give us added capacity for the future mm-hmm. you know the, one of the last things we want to do is get get this funded build a four lane bridge over the Catawba and then you know 10 20 years later yeah. however long have to widen it it's, it's very difficult to widen a bridge sure you know so things like that but what is the feasibility so that that is what the focus has been i want to add on that that six lane bridge uh recommendation that that is based on the traffic um, numbers uh for the future and uh future projected traffic but What's also feeding into that is not only the projected traffic, but also the um, the expected or projected growth in this area. So there's mm. still there's enough unknowns about um, how this area may ultimately develop that that we know it's going to happen. But what is it going to look like, and right. is it going to generate traffic? 
likely. Um, so that, that was also taken into consideration. Um, as well as the potential for this, this road to, to continue to the west at some point in the future. So um, that would change the, the traffic makeup as well. That makes sense. But I, if, I'll also take a moment to just go back to the public comments we received last year. Sure. And um, I'll just make a plug back to the website, catabacrossings.com. Um, you know, Randy and the team, um, you know, we reviewed all those comments and um, put together a, a, doc, uh, a document that addresses a lot of a lot of what we heard, um, hope, hopefully provides a little more information. So th this is available on the website um, under the documents tab. Um, okay. It's a, called a summary comment response. Um, memorandum and and it, it addresses a lot of the things we heard um, a certain themes seem to rise to the top when we were going through these these um, public comments but I think you know, Randy touched on kind of the biggest ones there sure. for anybody who's interested please yeah please get on the website and, and look at look at what's out there What's the, the timetable for finishing the, the feasibility study and then what would be the next steps if, you know, everything comes back and you, you know, all the information you gather says, yeah, you know, this, this looks like a feasible project. I think, Randy, you talked a little bit more earlier about, you know, different funding buckets, but kind of what would the, what would the next steps be on, on this project? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take a stab at that, and then, Adam, you can kind of fill in any gaps <laughs> that, I, that I leave. But, you know, again, we're, we're working on this feasibility study now. We're looking to, you know, wrap things up on the feasibility study this summer um, with presentations to the elected boards. Um, the funders of the project have been Gastonia, Gaston County, Belmont, Cramerton, and will probably um, present this information to – potentially Mecklenburg County and, and City of Charlotte and both MPOs. Okay. And so then we, we start thinking about the funding scenarios, um, you know, but, you know, once, once the project is funded, there, there's still, there's still quite a few steps before we get to, you know, construction and opening to traffic because we are, you know, very early in the process. So, you know, once we identify funding, um, if this is, you know, submitted to NCDOT, the next round of prioritization, if it's programmed, you know, then we start looking at, you know, the whole, the NEPA process, the environmental, you know, process studies, you know, looking through, you know, further preliminary engineering. Uh, so a lot would go into that before we would even be ready for right-of-way acquisition for the project. And then once you have all of the right-of-way is when you can, you know, get, move into construction. And then, you know, I think we've identified most likely probably a three-year construction timeline for this project before it would be open to the public, open to traffic. So, you know, that's kind of like the next next steps. Uh, you know, there's there's quite a few quite a few steps between now and, and opening this facility to, to traffic. But, you know, this is one of the first steps that we're completing. Adam, do you have anything to add? I guess I would, I would just add that in the um, NEPA and preliminary engineering phase, the, the public could expect to have another opportunity to comment on this project. Um, 
the feasibility study is is we're looking at this at a at a somewhat conceptual level. Um, so the design is not getting very specific. Um, we know what would and would not work. We know what our stakeholders would and would not prefer. Um, but as the design progresses, we would have better information about the potential impacts um, to, to homes and, and displacements, which, which we know would be uh, something this project would, it would be an impact that this project could not avoid. Um, and we would have better ideas about um, those impacts to the natural environment. Um, so as better, more refined information becomes available through that preliminary engineering and, and NEPA phase, um, the public can expect to see this project again with, with, with finer details and another opportunity to provide uh, feedback on the direction of the project. So speaking of the design and engineering, um, one of my favorite things when traveling is bridges. I just love to look at bridges. Is there any chance there's going to be any like cool elements incorporated <laughs> into the design or um, is it just going to be a regular old bridge or it's two bridges, right? Yeah, it would be two bridges. So we'd have one crossing the South Fork and one crossing the, the Catawba River. You know, we haven't really gotten into that too yeah. much uh, with this, but I will, I will use this opportunity to put in a plug for, you know, we are we're going to be widening the bridge um, across the Catawba River, the 74, uh, the Wilkinson Boulevard Bridge. And we have spent a lot of time with an aesthetics committee oh. really looking at what that bridge could look like. And, you know, what are the upgrades? So it's not just your your average bridge, your standard bridge that you see. And so, you know, I think that, that that design, which, you know, we'll we'll be taking that out. That project's going to go out for public involvement, um, hopefully within the next uh, six months, okay. we'll say. So I can come pitch but that I'm crazy hoping, idea for some crazy design. <laughs> so I'm, but I'm really, I'm really hoping that that's going to set the stage for yeah. what, you know, these bridges are going to look like for Gaston County. I think we've spent a lot of time on, on you know, the, the environment you know, of Gaston County and that rich textile heritage and, mm -hmm. and what, you know, components of that could be brought into the design. And I think we're going to see that carried over to, you know, the the interchange improvements and the bridge um, replacements as part of the I-85 widening project. And then and then I think it would carry over to this as well. So yeah. we've got a lot of um, exciting things going on for, for Gaston County right That's now. That's good to hear. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> Well, but is, with all of that, this is still needed. I will, yeah. I will oh, yeah. put that plug in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just hearing you guys talk a, a while back in the conversation about just kind of the traffic counts and, and the projections. I mean, it's, um, you know, from a data standpoint, it's there. And just from an anecdotal standpoint, for anybody that travels these roads on a somewhat regular basis, I mean, then folks are seeing this every day. So um, I, I definitely think the need is, is there. Yeah. Uh, Anything else that we about the project that you wanted to touch on that we we didn't ask about? I mean, just another plug for you know for the public comment period. You know the the feedback that we get from from the community is is really important with this. And I know we've we've got a lot of supporters, and we do have those that are in opposition too. They may be you know as Adam said, they may have their residents that they've 
lived in for the last 50 years might be impacted by this project. Mm. And we want to hear from everyone. And, yep. you know, I can, I completely understand, um, you know, the, the folks that are having the questions about where exactly is this going to be? How is it going to impact my property? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I understand that too. And I just want to make a, you know, a plea to the community that, you know, we need to hear that. We need to hear from the supporters. We need to hear from those that may be in opposition because, you know, we, we want to know, you know, the the potential roadblocks to this project, if there are any. This is this is what we're trying to figure out now. So, you know, the the more um, the more feedback we get from from the community, the better as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Randy, Adam, thank you guys so much for, for joining us, for talking a little bit about the Catawba Crossings project. Wish you guys the best of luck as you continue forward with the feasibility study. Wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Bye, guys. You.